Kim Moody is with us now for the Rural News. Kia ora, Kim. It has been confirmed that more rural people are dying at a younger age than urban dwellers. Kia ora, Charlotte. Yes, new research led by University of Otago Professor Gary Nixon shows twice the number of under 30-year-olds living in rural areas die compared to those in cities. Professor Nixon, who specialises in rural health and is also a rural doctor at the hospital in Clyde, says a number of mortalities were from injuries caused by outdoor activities. I would hate for them to stop enjoying the the rural lifestyle. I think I think that that's um, I think I think that's really important. But they probably should be aware that they are a bit more at risk than their urban peers, and they certainly shouldn't ignore health problems, and and they should certainly should make the the effort to to seek the advice of a, of a health professional if they have any issues. Professor Nixon says the research, which looked at every death over a five-year period, found many of the fatalities were preventable. It does include, for example, you know, heart, and, heart attacks and strokes, which are, are potentially preventable with, with really good management of blood pressure or high cholesterol or those sorts of things. Um, but it also does include uh, all injury-related deaths, including from things like motor vehicle accidents or farm accidents. Um, those those sorts of things. One of the subgroups of amenable mortality would in fact be suicide. That's correct. And, and we do have a little bit of early data confirming what has been suspected in the past that for men anyway, suicide rates are, are higher in, in rural areas. Gary Nixon says there are fewer deaths of elderly people in rural areas, which he attributes to them moving to cities to be closer to healthcare facilities and families. And he's not surprised by the results. He says the next step is for authorities to develop a decent national rural health policy. Some vineyards in Hawke's Bay remain under soggy silt and will have to be replanted as the clean-up from Cyclone Gabrielle continues amid ongoing heavy rain. The Hawke's Bay Wine Growers Charitable Trust has distributed $300,000 of donated money to growers for business advice and support. Deputy Chair Peter Hurlstone says 6% of the region's vines were severely affected and it will take time to get back to normal, especially in East Valley, Pukitapu and Pakafai. For those members that were affected, you know, those impacts are very, very significant in some, ca- in some cases total devastation. So you know, we've got vineyards uh, in some areas that are effectively completely buried in silt and when it comes to clean-up, I mean... Where do you start? I mean, how do you get your, your trellis out? You know, what sort of condition are the binds going to be in? Well, they're going to be completely destroyed. Um, and not to mention all the debris that's scattered through that. You know, tractors, grape bins, netting, you know, all manner of things. So, you know, cleaning up is one thing, but even understanding how and uh, how to approach that cleanup is also really, really, really tricky. Peter Hurlstone says for vineyards covered in silt, the ongoing wet weather is delaying efforts to save vines. This silt's horrible, it's a horrible material um, and areas where it's been deposited and you know, attempts have been made to, to start, sort of start to clean it up, the second that it gets wet again, you know, it becomes very difficult to manage and even in terms of drainage and, and so on, I mean you know, water's tending to pond in areas where the silt is because it's actually impacted the drainage of the soil as well. So it was a tough season for our, our growers to be fair, I mean we've had probably around about two and a half times the annual rainfall across the growing season. So it was a tough season even before we had the cyclone and, uh, and everyone is well aware 
you know, the water table in Hawke's Bay now is very, very high. Um, and any additional rain is just adding to that and, and making it even more difficult for people to carry on with that clean-up work. Peter Hurlstone says despite the bad weather, this year's vintage will be its usual high standard as the majority of grapes were harvested before the cyclone. Australia exporting more lamb to key markets has suppressed demand and prices for New Zealand lamb. Last month, Australia exported nearly 29,000 tonnes. That's the largest monthly volume since May 2019. AgriHQ senior analyst Mel Crowd says Australia's exports are about 7% higher year on year, which means more competition for us. We're seeing that the bulk of that increase has gone into the Chinese market, which has absorbed nearly 40% or 9,000 tonne more year on year. Now, in comparison, New Zealand still has the upper hand, having shipped 165,000 tonne for the year. But recent challenges that we're seeing in our export markets and those slaughter rates dropping to winter lows is likely to see those monthly Australian lamb exports continue to push higher than we can export uh, in the months ahead. That's Mel Crowd. A new Bay of Plenty horticulture education centre hopes to sprout the region's next generation of rural leaders. The state-of-the-art Grow Hub facility has opened at Katikati College near Tauranga to help students thrive in the region's horticultural sectors. Hub spokesperson Hilary Johnson says it's all about creating a centre of excellence. Horticulture at this school certainly five years ago had plateaued out uh, was regarded pretty much as a dead-end place to go. Um, certainly was not regarded as academic, had a low profile, and students weren't achieving very well. So we set out to completely revamp that, and we've put in place a program now that will take students on pathways straight into industry or via cadetships or via university study in a whole range of disciplines like agribusiness, horticulture itself, marketing, um, we do some robotics and coding. Um, we are trying to provide the industry with what they need and our students with what they need to succeed in that industry. That's Hilary Johnson. Well, time for the latest from the sale yards around the country now. We're joined live by Suze Bremner, Senior Analyst at AgriHQ. Kia ora, Suze. What's been happening this week? Hello. Well, I still can't get used to having a short week in the middle of winter, but I'm certainly not complaining about that. So short weeks always mean a bit of a shuffle round of sales and today the fielding store sale was on and also Matafero have held their sheep sale. So Matafero has had so much disruption this year for their sales that they decided to shift days rather than cancel as they usually would. It wasn't a large yard in there. There was around 770 sheep and the heavy lambs have sold for 111 to dollars but earlier in the week, they did hold their monthly cattle sale. And honestly, full credit to the team for managing to get over 1,100 cattle yarded through some pretty tricky access issues. Over 400 of those were in lamb traditional, uh, sorry, in calf traditional cows. And the better end sold for 1,290 to $1,470. And the balance made 860 to to $1,000. And you mentioned the fielding sale is on today. How's that going? Well, yes, that's right. Fielding also held a small sale today as everyone takes a bit of a breather and makes the most of the long weekend. That sale has actually finished for the day and they sold 330 cattle and 3,000 sheep, which was fortunate given it sounds like it was pretty wet and wild down there. So breeding news made 110 to $156 and the better lamb sold for 99 to $139. 
And in the rostrum, our two skiers made up the biggest chunk of the sale, and traditional lines traded at $2.95 to $3.09 a kilo. Oh, kia ora, Suze. That's Suze Bremner from Agri HQ, and that wraps up the rural news for this week. Kia ora, Charlotte.